Uncle Owen! It's R2 unit has a bad motivator, look! Having trouble with your drug? Your drug? These two droids. Both are hard working and will serve you well. Droid. 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 We serve their kind here. Welcome to We Serve Droids, the monthly Star Wars podcast that is haunted by the kiss that our listeners should never have given us. <laughs> I'm Scott. And I'm Chris. <laughs> and as you may have guessed from our intro, we're going to be talking about Attack of the Clones tonight. Oh, uh, well, I think we've we've peaked with the uh, the dialogue already there. It's all downhill from here. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I had I had forgotten how bad it it really was, Scott. <laughs> I didn't know whether to lead in with that or or uh, or how much we all love our uh, sand, but uh, <laughs> the kiss one's my favorite. I, I've, I, I personally, I think I've I've done the sand joke to death on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, in, in proper fashion, I'll be hitting it hard for this one as well. <laughs> well, if there's anything about We Serve Droids, it is that. Uh, no gift horses shall be unwhipped in the mouth. <laughs> I've totally lost track of how we how we do that one. I think if we had a crest, it would just be like the both of us beating a dead horse, <laughs> something like that. Well, before we jump into that for tonight's sort of banter fodder segment, Chris, I was looking over the, you know, reports and videos and stuff of the Star Wars section of Disneyland. Oh yeah, Galaxy's Edge. Mm-hmm. Have you followed this at all? Uh, a little bit here and there. I've seen some uh, pics and other reports from some of the folks who've been lucky enough to go so far. Seeing this fully immersive environment, it got me wondering about if I could go to any area in the Star Wars universe to spend, you know, a day or a few days where I would go. And so I thought maybe we could chat about that a little bit before we jumped into Attack of the Clones. It's sort of two questions. One, in Star Wars, if you could go somewhere, where would you go? And second, uh, you know, maybe outside of Star Wars, what's like a fictional world that you would most enjoy visiting? Oh, good questions. Hmm. I think the, uh, you know, if you decided it was going to go somewhere to wander around, I think, you know, the Death Star might be cool as long as you stayed away from i guess the myriad of hazardous obstacles <laughs> that we've discussed time and again we'll get to some more dangerous catwalks in episode two <laughs> on um camino uh where else it's not as easy a question to answer as you would intuitively think yeah i mean there's everywhere kind of has its own little perils or just seems like a desert yeah <laughs> tatooine is the most iconic but it seems like it'd be pretty uncomfortable. Yeah, I mean, you hang around Moss Lysley, you know, too long. Obi-Wan comes in and cuts your arm <laughs> off. <laughs> I'm sure the Cantina band probably only knows like two songs. So <laughs> after an hour of that, you're probably ready to go. And then Indoor or New Dagobah from Last Jedi would be cool. But then there's not really any you know, futuristic science fiction-y stuff. Yeah. Indoor, you, you run the risk of running into the, the Gorax or, mm. or worse, Mace. <laughs> so 
fraught with peril. I also thought about Kashyyyk, the Wookiee homeworld. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Because it seems like it would marry the cool treehouse atmosphere of the Ewoks with actual, you know, futuristic technology. But I was a little worried that everything would be too tall for me. <laughs> and I would be like the Ugnaughts on Cloud City. <laughs> unable to reach the toilets. And anyone under 7'3 is not welcome on Kashyyyk. <laughs> right. I think, like, you might stand a chance there, Chris, but it'd be hopeless for me. I don't know. I'm, well, I gotta think, uh, aside from episode three, you know, my main, my main, uh, source of information on Kashyyyk is, is the holiday special. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's not go there. Yeah. <laughs> so. Actually, I just remembered, I just remembered grandpa's, uh, <laughs> grandpa's video thing. So, yeah, I'm gonna change my answer to Kashyyyk. <laughs> Who's your favorite little rascal? Alfalfa? Or is it Spanky? So what about, you know, non-Star Wars? Is there a place or fictional world you would most like to go? I think the the wishing for more wishes answer on this one is probably the, uh, like the Star Trek holodeck. Because then you can just go wherever, effectively. That's, that's kind of cheating. Rugger to bridge. If you need me, I'll be in holodeck four. Yeah, that's a smart play. Well, it's I actually that was in my top two was the Enterprise, and now that does seem like the right cheat answer. You beat the game, Chris. Maybe. I mean, I feel like I'd probably holodeck aside. I probably I might might go that route. I think Deep, Deep Space Nine be a fun place. Just kind of wander around, get a suit at Garrick's. Yeah, <laughs> like a dart in the neck or something like that. <laughs> I was kind of thinking maybe the Enterprise, no surprise to our longtime listeners, that we would both go that route. <laughs> um, but I actually was going to go with Pokemon. That'd be cool. That anywhere from the first game of Pokemon, and it was a little bit from having seen Detective Pikachu, got me real excited about just what like a realistic Pokemon world would look like. And it seems a little also less like danger. Like, I mean, I don't want to go to like, you know, uh, Westeros and, you know, immediately <laughs> die. Yeah. <laughs> don't want to go, uh, don't want to go to Mad Max and <laughs> just <laughs> s- same, the same kind of Tatooine perils there, except you have, you know, like guys riding around in like black leather chaps. <laughs> yeah. I was pretty excited about spraying that chrome in my mouth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's only fun if you're the, uh, oh, the humongous or, uh, the Morton Joe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, from there, uh, Chris, I guess we will ask our listeners to witness us as we transition <laughs> into a, a little chat about our favorite uh, episode two, and that's this episode two, Attack of the Clones. Uh, buckle up, kids. It's, uh, it's dialogue time. Look, sir. What have we here? Look, sir. Oh, what a mess. With the blast shield down, I can't even see these aren't the droids you're looking for. So, Chris, do you have any, like, memories or thoughts about when Attack of the Clones came out or going to see it? Uh, I was actually thinking about that. Did did we see this in the same kind of group of people? I was trying to determine this or not, and I couldn't be sure. I know we saw episode three, for sure, um, and... But what, so episode two came out in 2002. Was it 
two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that works within the time frame, I believe. Here's what I do remember from seeing this movie, Chris. Someone was there supposedly, you know, going to write up something, I guess, for like a newspaper about the opening of Star Wars. And this person, she was interviewing some people and there was a guy who was very excited and she was interviewing him. And then she asked for his name to cite him. And instead of giving his name, he wanted to be cited in the newspaper as Dirty Darth Raj. (laughs) And I remember more about Dirty Darth Raj than I remember about (laughs) Deck of the Clones. I have to go back into the newspaper archives now and find (laughs) out (laughs) if, if... I know probably realistically she's like, ah, crap, well, all right, this, I can't, can't publish this now. This jerk won't give me an actual name. Or she just credited him as, you know, unnamed moviegoer or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I feel like not a month goes by that I don't wonder what Dirty Darth Raj is up to. <laughs> Living the life we could only dream of, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, if one of you is Dirty Darth Raj... <laughs> <laughs> Please write into we serve choice at gmail.com. Oh man, I really want that for a uh, a screen name now. I'm sure <laughs> I'm it's taken. Sh- I'm sure it's taken. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I'm sure Darth Raj has been parked on that since since 01 at least. Probably 99 <laughs> if not sooner. Yeah, so Attack of the Clones starts up, right? We get the scrolling text telling us that Lots of planetary systems want to rebel, and we get our uh, our favorite Naboo ships landing on Coruscant. I like the design of this, uh, I guess, sort of airliner-looking Naboo ship. It's, uh, uh, I'm not sure what you'd really call it. It looks, you know, kind of reminiscent of, like, a sort of like a bigger airplane from, you know, maybe like the, uh, the 40s, something like that. Very, like, sort of classic Pan-American. Yeah, exactly. I feel like if you... If you squint or something, this could be like a scene from like Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow or something like that. Mm. You know, sort of that, uh, sort of that, that kind of stylized era in like a, like a modern way. Mm-hmm. Leonardo DiCaprio is uh, forging paychecks from this taboo. Uh, <laughs> exactly, it's going to land at the uh, Pan Am terminal. Tom Hanks is there. When it first starts up, you know, and you think there's Amidala on the ship. You get this feeling like, oh man, Amadala is still all about that wacky hair. <laughs> uh, but this person gets exploded, and you, you learn that Amadala is actually just still all about that decoy. Yeah, you don't choose the decoy life; the decoy life chooses you. <laughs> like how how is the whole galaxy not hip to this decoy game by now? I didn't pause it. I wasn't sure if did the blast originate from the hairpiece. I couldn't be sure. Uh- <laughs> It's like a Manchurian hairpiece. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I like the fact that, you know, the uh, the saboteur waited until the ship landed and there's the possibility of people surviving rather than just blow the thing up in space. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the bomb was on the landing pad. Oh, um, yeah. It doesn't cool. look like that at all. I'm just trying to, to headcanon, to hairpiece cannon around that. <laughs> Padme and that one-eyed guy, I mean, they leave the decoy's body on the landing pad. Yeah. <laughs> Very cold, cold-blooded, cold just like, oh, she did her job, see you later. 
I mean, not even like a, you know, Han Solo coin flip to the guy who has to clean up the body. <laughs> so I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a senator. I don't have to deal with this. They don't even put the call in to Winston Wolf and, and tell him how many garbage <laughs> bags to bring. <laughs> so so what do you, uh, is the assumption that the, uh, the bomb was, I guess, was a separatist plot? It's, uh, you know, in the movie, ostensibly. So do you think, think Palps was behind this? Do you think it was actually legitimate? Yeah, it's got to be part of the Django Fett, Zam. I mean, there's a lot of middle management in this. Um, yeah, I guess that's true. What, what, what isn't Palps behind at this point? Right. That's, that's a good call. Because it seems like Palpatine is ordering Dooku, who's ordering Django, who's ordering Zam, yeah. the shapeshifter, who I can only assume yeah. ordered the hairpiece maker to uh, build the bomb. <laughs> Yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of waste in this organizational structure. God, <laughs> Dooku, what is it you'd say you do here? <laughs> I deal with the goddamn bounty hunters. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you take it from Palpatine and you put it in the bounty hunter's hand. Well, sometimes. <laughs> uh, and then, oh, quick. So follow up to that, real quick. Do you think? I mean, I'm assuming it was only. This is only kind of meant to. Uh, to maim and incite, you know, like, I don't think there was any, whoever was behind this, I don't, I'm assuming it probably wasn't uh true lethal intent. I'm thinking no. And this is one of those times where I don't know if this is a better discussion to have at the beginning of the movie or the end of the movie, but I'm, I'm happy to do it now. And maybe it'll help orient us as we talk further to kind of hash this out at the beginning. Uh, and I guess I should warn the listeners that we're really only going to talk about the first half of Attack of the Clones. We've really got to marinate on that that sweet, sweet dialogue coming up here. So the political situation seems to be that there's this growing separatist plot. And I guess people mm-hmm. don't know how sincere that is or not. And there is some faction ostensibly organized by Palpatine to create a Republican army. Yes. So my assumption was that the assassination of Padme was going to be the sort of precipitation, if that's the right word, for mm. authorizing the army. And it would be the USS Maine exploding off the coast of Cuba. Uh, nice one. <laughs> well, it was the most obscure <laughs> US war I could reference. <laughs> I mean, the situation fits. <laughs> right. Yeah, it is a ship, and it's sort of unclear, like, who caused it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think they're trying to engineer a, uh, a Randolph Hearst, remember the main kind of situation. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's kind of my assumption. There's not much that occurs, I guess, before, uh, I mean, I guess really any time that I just don't assume Palpatine has some, some, some sort of finger in one way or the other. And it's kind of funny, because if that's the plan... It does not go according to plan, but Palpatine still manages to make it all work out. Gets He still gets to the end game that he wants to get to. Mm-hmm. And so I guess you could assume an even more omniscient Palpatine and think that these are supposed to be botched assassination attempts for everything to go exactly the way it does. But I think that that does, is it going to hold up under a lot of scrutiny between like, you know, barely saving Padme later and Obi-Wan kind of stumbling on the clone army 
in a way that he easily couldn't have mm-hmm. if he, you know, wasn't friends with the greasy spoon guy. <laughs> yeah, good call. Yeah, it, it probably wouldn't stand up to any kind of, or at least the omniscient Palpatine theory wouldn't stand up to any kind of scrutiny. I don't know. I mean, does that sound like the right read of this, of the political machinations going on in this movie? Yeah, that's kind of what I what I assumed it was. I mean, I, I think I think it's maybe was a throwaway line that you know Padme's the lead leader of the biggest organization of senators that's anti clone army. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and like you said, I don't know if it's Palpatine that's out in the open as being pro army or not. Right. But I mean, yeah, I'm sure he is at its core. You know, the one following behind it. We cut from there to a group of, I guess, Jedi meeting with old Palps, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, one thing that struck me about all the, uh, you have, what, eight, ten Jedi in there? Just, you know, within a almost arm's reach of, you know, the Dark Lord of the Sith. And I think maybe Yoda picks up some some vibes towards the end there for, for fan service, but Palpatine's just got ice in his veins. And then the... Uh they're called the Loyalist Committee, which is a group of, I guess, senators come in to meet with with Palpatine, right? Mm-hmm. And that's where they first discuss, you know, whether or not Dooku was behind the assassination or someone else. I didn't pick up they were called the uh, the Loyalist Committee. Yeah, I wasn't sure what that actually meant. I feel like that's kind of a, uh, oh, what's the word when you your name by its nature, like, precludes anyone else, you know, being uh, being in a correct position something like that like being like pro-choice or pro-life like who wants to be anti either of those things exactly yeah it's not the like legion of doom yeah (laughs) so uh also once the loyalist committee enters oh crap sorry oh it's fine i didn't silence this phone and i just got a call from latvia (laughs) so i'm sure that that was you know, an opportunity to give my bank account number and have <laughs> copious amounts of money deposited into it. Oh man! Hey, maybe they're maybe that was the call, Scott. Maybe they're doing uh, episode nine reshoots in Latvia, and they they, they need you. I think it's Dirty Darth Rods rerouting his phone number so he can't be found. He knows we're talking, and he wanted to get on the show. Oh, I'd, I'd, I'd have Dirty Darth Raj on in a heartbeat. <laughs> I would replace you with Dirty Darth Raj. <laughs> I, I wouldn't argue. That's, that's a no-brainer. <laughs> now Chris is like, please, Dirty Darth Raj. <laughs> Scott's kept me locked up. <laughs> he only lets me out once a month. Yeah, I'm I'm the, uh, I to go back to Pulp Fiction, I'm the, uh, the gimp, the gimp in the gimp suit. <laughs> Beneath the uh, the pawn shop. <laughs> Where's Chris? He's sleeping. <laughs> Wake him up. <laughs> Once this loyalist committee comes in, it's also the part of the movie that starts uh, the overuse of the term "milady." I'm sure someone could probably trace the origin of uh, oh, like whatever that meme is, back to this movie in some way. <laughs> I searched like an online transcript to see how many times <laughs> Milady or some variant of Milady appeared in the movie. Oh, is it is it more than like twenty? Uh, yes, 
<laughs> 28 <laughs> times. Chris, that is three and a half miladies for every camera that got blown up on that Death Star detention block. <laughs> I like that unit of measure. You know, milady, Count Dooku was once a Jedi. Do it for me, milady, please. I will have Obi-Wan report to you immediately, milady. I guess the, the real info we get out of this scene is that Obi-Wan is going to get put on security detail for Padme. And we get uh, a cut to an elevator where we get our first look at old Obi-Wan and Anakin. Yeah, this is, um, <clears throat> excuse me, let me try that again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had, I had forgotten, uh, I guess, Ian McKellen's episode two look here. Um, wow, wow. Good Lord. <laughs> yeah, when he came in wearing a long white robe. <laughs> uh, now, now, I, now I want Ian McKellen, <laughs> Ian McKellen to play uh, uh, Force Ghost Obi-Wan or something like that in episode nine. Uh, but yeah, I'd, this is my, uh, I hadn't really forgotten what, uh, like Ian, Ian, wow. <laughs> All right, I, I, I'm done. Just, let's, let's just move on. I give up. <laughs> let's give it one last I was, try. I was, I was going to make like the, the Ewan McGregor looks like Jesus, <laughs> like joke, but whatever. It's probably not even worth it. <laughs> I was going to say it looks like Obi-Wan is Jedi in the front and party in the back. <laughs> That's a better joke. <laughs> Just a quick aside, the, there there was this. I'm 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 sure this was real because it was on the internet. Like someone apparently someone like replaced like a picture of uh like a, like a, in his mom's house of like a picture of uh like Christ on the wall with like a picture of uh with with Obi Wan from Episode Two. And it had been months and she hadn't noticed. <laughs> That's great. That's great. The weird things is that on Good Friday that picture started crying. Yeah, and then I guess this is our first look at Hayden Christensen, right? Yeah. I guess the uh, the Anakin as we'll know him for the uh, the remainder of his time as Anakin. Mm-hmm. And even then some. Yeah. <laughs> Depending on which version you watch. And he's sporting the old rat tail ponytail combo. Yeah, I mean, what's I, 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 that's the, this is the first time I guess I really noticed that it's you know you've got you got both. Mm-hmm. Is that a is that a Padawan thing? Like I don't recall Obi Wan having. Having both in the uh, the previous movie, I think he did, but he's a little shorter on top. Okay, maybe that's what did what got me. I wonder. You think they grow it all out and then trim everything but that weird little braid, or they have to just like slowly grow that little braid? Ah, good question. Are there some ones where it's like just goes down to about like mid cheek or something? Yeah, maybe if it. Uh, once it reaches a certain length, you either have to, to face the trials, you're gone. <laughs> Something like that. It's like running out of funding in like your PhD program. <laughs> Surely they have to cut hairs with some, some form of lightsaber in the uh, in the Jedi Padawan uh, barbershop. It really gives you that clean cut, that smooth rat tail on the back. I was busy telling young people to get a haircut. Anakin and Obi-Wan show up. And have a super awkward argument in front of Padme's entourage, right? Yeah, and this is this is just the beginning of the uh, the awkwardness. I had some uh, some ideas for uh, drinking games, but I think we might die. It's just <laughs> it's either like drink whenever uh, Anakin complains, or drink whenever. <laughs> Drink whenever Anakin makes you cringe, or, or just dialogue makes you cringe in general. 
Yeah, yeah, like drink whenever you feel uncomfortable for Padme. Oh man, that's I'd just be <laughs> just be nonstop drinking from whenever Anakin shows up to to the end of the movie. Yeah, I had to like double check to make sure this movie wasn't produced by Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> I mean, the behavior from Anakin is just atrocious. Yeah. I I have difficulty believing there was ever a time when this was okay. It's certainly not in 2002. I mean, maybe that it happened, uh, but you shouldn't be, like, celebrating this kind of behavior from Anakin. I really don't know what else to say. It's just, yeah, I was I was not comfortable through most of the uh, watch of this movie. I mean, I remember it being bad. I just don't remember it being uh, this awful. Yeah, so just to skip ahead a little bit in the movie, I thought one of the weirdest parts was... I guess Obi-Wan has, like, gone out for donuts or something while they're watching Padme, which is mm-hmm. another fun little, like, uh, cop movie trope, right? Like, you're on the stakeout, and you're sitting mm-hmm. around, and nothing's going on, and they sort of have that trope scene here. Like, Obi-Wan is pulled back in with the coffees and donuts, I guess. Yeah, he, he's two weeks from retirement. <laughs> <laughs> And Anakin's a loose cannon. Yes. <laughs> I'd love for Yoda to be like, Anakin, I need your, your badge and your lightsaber on my desk. <laughs> the Chancellor's up my ass about this case. <laughs> Gumshoes, can you find Carmen Sandiego? <laughs> I don't know why that woman jumped into my head. <laughs> that was the only TV <laughs> police detective I could uh, think yeah. of next. <laughs> That's the grittiest cop I know, or the grittiest chief I know. <laughs> if you don't get the loot and the warrants on my desk by tomorrow, it's your ass. Gum shoes. <laughs> the, like, contestant kids are, like, crying. Just trying to buzz in through the pain. Yeah. Obi-Wan shows up and discovers that Padme has covered up the cameras and Anakin says with, like, a smile, I don't think she likes me watching. Yeah. What the hell? Yeah. That is so creepy. I don't, I don't understand how this dialogue left the writer's room. <laughs> no. I think it may be in this scene, too. This is kind of a quick aside. Obi-Wan mentions, you know, like, not, not trusting politicians, like, in general. Mm-hmm. Like, that comment made me kind of maybe... uh Maybe, maybe understand why he, you know, ends up living as a hermit in the desert, that kind of thing. <laughs> like, publishing, like, his anonymous manifestos and, and things like that. Oh, yeah, he is, like, broadcasting pirate radio out of his yeah. hut. <laughs> Telling the, uh, the real truth. All of his currency is gold bullion. Yeah. <laughs> the Republic credits, they started off as no good on Tatooine, I knew it. Yeah. <laughs> Once we got off the silver standard, every infomercial was like very appealing to him. Yeah. <laughs> Simultaneously skeptical of everything official and very gullible for every like prepper <laughs> yeah. product. Uh, yeah, he just he made that comment about politicians. Like, okay, all right, I see, I see what you're doing, everyone. I, I know where this is headed, but this is this is making a little bit more sense now. He's going to run, like, a Ross Perot campaign for Chancellor, like, on his own budget. (laughs) Just moving past that creepy line, we do get a bit of fun argument about which one of them 
is, you know, more attuned to what's going on in the room in a way that makes them yeah. both unattuned to it. And that's pretty fun. Yeah. Also, like, the they, they kind of double down on the creepy. I can sense everything that's going on in that room. That line from Anakin, just... Like, I cover the cameras all you want. That won't help you. (laughs) (laughs) Obi-Wan is very glad he didn't walk into that apartment, like, about 90 seconds sooner. (laughs) Riker to bridge. If you need me, I'll be in holodeck four. But little do they know, Jango Fett has met with a bounty hunter who has sent a robot to deliver uh, not one, but two very hungry caterpillars. (laughs) Into Padme's room. Yeah. No, no mistakes this time. Got to keep it simple. There's nothing simpler <laughs> than, than dumping. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, why do they have to go the, like, build a better mousetrap route every time? Just be careful with these. They're dangerous. You know what's as dangerous? Just cutting through the window and just, you know, with a blaster and just shooting like I figure, like surely you could have put like a like a gun or something in that in that droid instead, right? Yeah, or just let the droid just suicide bomb. Like, yeah, you don't need to give up on bombs just because it didn't work one time. They're very effective. <laughs> History is proven. Hey, hey, they want a wonga. They want a wonga. They want a wonga. wonga. They wanna let go. Yeah. So the killer caterpillars get released and Padme saved in just a nick of time. I like that R2 was like asleep for whatever reason. A droid needs to be asleep when he's standing guard and then woke up for a second, woke up for a second and then went back to sleep. Yeah. Padme never changed the default settings on when R2 goes into sleep mode. Uh, Yeah. I hate when my droid goes to sleep every 30 (laughs) seconds and I got to shake the mouse to wake it up. Right. Yeah. <laughs> For five years, I've been moving this, like, mouse wheel instead of just changing the option. <laughs> yeah, and then Obi-Wan, I guess what I would, what the Anakin-like move I would expect, expect from him, just barreling through that window. I like that a lot. Yeah. I think that's a lot of fun. Like, no hesitation. Obi-Wan sees a droid, bam, like, right through the window. No problem. I don't seem to recall ever leaping out of a window at a droid. <laughs> so what do you think about this chase sequence? So I was I was thinking about it. Like, do we do we ever really like get any kind of like sort of car chase scene like this, like in Star Wars? Like a little bit in solo at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um this is very, very three dimensional. And I'm kind of excluding any kind of, you know, shit like fighter, you know, space fighter combat, stuff like that. Yeah, this is like a very, I mean, in, you know, obviously, you know, pod racing, but. Right. This is like a, like an in the city, you know, kind of action movie sort of kind of car chasey scene. Yeah, I like it a lot. I mean, I guess within Star Wars, the pod race is very different given it's a race. And then the speeder bike sequence is still very different. In, in Return of the Jedi, but maybe the closest next thing, not counting Solo, like you said. And I think I kind of like this chase sequence more than the one in Solo. Yeah, I mean, the the Solo one was, you know, very, you know, very grounded in, in that respect. And this one... <laughs> Literally on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> womp womp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this one, yeah, this one was, uh, I think they, they knew what they had to play with, and I think they did it very well. Yeah, I like that... 
it seems like in the background there are sort of different like sectors of the city they're going through. Mm-hmm. And sure, I mean, the worlds of Star Wars are filled with needless electrical fields all over the place. Yes, be they in between the pods in your pod racer or in your Death Star trenches or, you know, in the cores of your uh, your power generators. Right, wherever Darth Maul was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why any of these things exist, but I've accepted that as a fact that they're all over Star Wars. Like, aside from some mild discomfort, this they really didn't have any... Uh, any side effects there from from going through that one? Yeah, it really could have just cut that electrical field thing out. Yeah, I was, I was waiting for the car to cut off. I think, you know, the first time I saw it or, you know, them to go paralyzed or something. I wanted them to bigger fish it and then just go through a <laughs> even larger electrical field. <laughs> I think the only larger electrical field in Coruscant, Scott, is through the planet core. <laughs> So yeah, this is way uh, cooler than the the Bongo stuff in Phantom Menace. And I think a, a pretty fun action sequence. I like the music a lot. I think some people get a little turned off by the electric guitar. The that's kind of built in there. It fits. It fits the... Uh, yeah, I like. I dig it. Yeah, it, I think it, it fits the, uh, the setting. It's a more... Kind of gone off memory. I think it's a more like percussive kind of song than we're used to getting in Star Wars. Yeah, I, I made a note about that. Like it was, it's very, I think, very unique in that respect. And I mean, this is, whew, I'm going off memory here. Just I didn't didn't research this, but I think this may be our best look at Coruscant that we get in terms of just you know like locations outside of you know the Jedi Temple or you know and the, the Senate, the Senate. Yeah, they got one of those see the city through the eyes of a Jedi excursions <laughs> on the cruise. Yeah, and then we kind of double down on the, you know, who can jump off a higher place Yeah, <laughs> uh, contest between Obi-Wan and Anakin. I hate it when he does that. Little do they know that having the high ground will be so instrumental <laughs> in their relationship. Yeah. They are, they're both very eager to give up the high ground here in episode <laughs> two. <laughs> I like the way it ends in a... A crash that I thought was very Con Air lands on the Vegas Strip. <laughs> a lot of interesting background characters here. Like on the street or in the club or both? Oh, both. Yeah. Yeah, so you want to transition into the, the club that they chase. The now Anakin knows it's a, a shape-shifting lady into. So yeah, kind of got another, uh, I guess, action movie kind of trope here. Get the perp cornered in a club. Got to do the uh, slow walk around kind of thing. Yeah, I the whole place. Mm-hmm. I really love the tracking shots in this scene. I like the way that you're mentioning how it establishes the club at first. And we even hone in on a few characters. We sort of get a couple characters just doing nothing. Mm-hmm. And it's like there are kind of anchor characters for this scene. That Then when something happens, we'll cut to them to be surprised. Does that make sense? And it turns out, I mean, you may know this, Chris, but a few of those characters are um, Ahmad Best, who plays Jar Jar. Mm-hmm. He's one of the guys in this scene. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. And Daniels, uh, who plays C-3PO, he's out of costume in this scene, too. Oh, interesting. I did not notice him. So there's like a younger black guy and an older white guy that are two characters that 
it sometimes will cut back to for like a reaction and it's those oh. two actors. Uh, I mean, I read this like a decade ago and I assume that I'm remembering it correctly. So, <laughs> you know, write into wizardtroys at gmail.com if you want me to ignore your correction. <laughs> this is such a by the books filmmaking kind of scene, but it's by the books because it works so well. Yeah. I like the sort of red herring where you think that she's sneaking up on Anakin, but really she's sneaking up on Obi-Wan. Mm. But it doesn't like, you know, all of a sudden she's on Obi-Wan. You, you, it gives away the secret about, you know, three quarters of a second before the climax. And I think that's the right way to do it. Yeah, just, just enough time for brief appreciation beforehand. Because I think so many movies would do this all exactly the same way, but then not give us that extra second to realize what, what's happened. Yeah, and then you, you have to piece it together, you know, after the fact, while other things are also happening on screen. And so I do think it's a very, like, Hitchcockian kind of scene in a really fun fun kind of way. We have our favorite Death Stick vendor. Yeah, he's got some, like, uh, like Andorian things going on off his head. They also seem to, like, uh, oh, like kind of dog ears, kind of, like, maybe move with his mood kind of thing. Or maybe I was just imagining that. <laughs> I like um, Obi-Wan's, like, uh, just going to go get a drink. And it's fun because, like, he made fun of, he, like, sort of scolded Anakin for using Padme as bait. But then he, like, sets himself up as bait. Yeah. And so that's kind of fun. Supposedly. I I like to think that he's in here every night. (laughs) I'll have my usual. Yeah. So did you get a a look at what he's drinking there, Chris? It's like like a shot glass kind of filled with some some kind of clearish blue liquid something like that yeah almost like romulan ale-esque yeah 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 i mean that's that fits it's so obi-wan's a fan of the uh like the uh hard liquor i suppose i mean as many times as i've seen this movie which is a bunch of times this is the first time i actually kind of like paused and looked at like what is he actually like i never noticed he was drinking from a shot glass before yeah, he's, he has, like, a larger kind of blue cup in front of him, but he picks up, like, the little shot glass behind it. So maybe, maybe that's his chaser? Do you think that's what it is? <laughs> I was so hoping. Because he takes that first drink from the shot glass, and I was so hoping that in another scene he was drinking from the big glass. I really wanted him to sit uh, at the bar and order, like, order two drinks at once. I wanted that to be our, our Obi-Wan Kenobi. Oh, uh, so... I think like a it's like a, a beer and a shot. Is it called like a boilermaker? Is that right? Something like that. That sounds right to me. I'm wondering. I'm just wondering what the Star Wars equivalent of that would be. We need to. Oh yeah, we, we need, yeah. We need to create that for a for a future drink. I think. <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 into this. <laughs> I'm gonna write that down for later. I just I just saw Anthony Daniels, by the way. So yeah, you were you were correct. A lot of fun, you know, costumes and aliens in this scene too. A lot of familiar, and I think I think you get a few kind of sort of not sure if what they are kind of aliens in the back here. I like the sort of I was only show but don't tell, but it's actually the opposite. Like here but don't see, like a hut. Oh really? Ah, I missed that. You're like there's like a. It, I mean, maybe it's not, but it sounds like there's a hut, kind of like making some loud joke in the background and everyone kind of laughing. I mean, I'm, I mean, if it's, I don't care if it's not there, it's there now. Like there's, there's a hut back there somewhere. He's in the, uh, he's in the VIP room in the back or Champagne something like room. 
Yes. <laughs> I would say, and this is like the most like promiscuous place possibly we see in Star Wars, maybe even more than like Jabba's Palace. Yeah, I'd agree. Just in like people's dress and whatnot. They're they're very 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 body positive place. I'm glad to see that here on Coruscant. Yeah, it's uh Money Calderon's a little little too uh too formal. This is very uh this is, you know, where everyone can go and feel uh you know, just get a drink and not feel out of place. And then get your hand sliced off by Obi Wan. <laughs> like so many before and so many exactly. after. Exactly. <laughs> you know, rather than using his uh you know, police taser or can of mace, he goes straight for the old lob off the hand. So she's a shapeshifter, right? A changeling, he says. Yeah. What do you think happens to her hand when it gets chopped off? Oh, good question. Does it, like, turn to goo? Surely they didn't animate that. Yeah, so... It's not on camera. I was asking you to uh, hairpiece scan in it. Oh, let's see. So I'm not sure she's, like, an Odo shapeshifter. She she seemed to revert to, like, a... She has, like, a default... Yeah, like a like her her default kind of whatever her uh, her mystique sort of uh, appearance, for lack of a better word. Mystique is a good comparison. I automatically always think T one thousand from Terminator or Odo from DS nine or Alex Mack from the Secret Life thereof. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's could could Alex Mack change her shape? Could she shape shift or could she just turn into goo? I can't recall. I haven't seen that show in about 25 years. Oh yeah. Maybe she could only goo and not like, I have a vague mirror for shape shifting. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't feel like that's wrong. I feel like she probably could. I just can't recall. I can't really recall anything about that show to be honest. Yeah. She mostly just gooed. They, they spent the money for that one CGI effect. <laughs> so gotta, gotta use it every episode. Why are my drippings with goo? Old Jango Fett gets there first, unfortunately, and Obi-Wan's an old school cop. Gotta, gotta take him out in the back alley to shake him down. And Mm-hmm. Yeah, just what Jango Fett was waiting for. Yeah, I like this very, like, kind of neo-noir shot mm-hmm. of them about to get the confession from the sort of femme fatale and then, you know, getting fired from long distance, and he just kind of... You know, rocketeers off into the distance. I feel like they're trying to give. Uh, since we got to see, to see so little of uh, the OG jetpacked character, you know, get so little use out of it. I feel like they they gave uh, Django here a lot of opportunity to use his jetpack. Yeah, definitely some jetpack wish fulfillment that we all had watching Boba back in the day. I, I'm glad they did it. Gonna have to um, drop in the uh, William Shatner Rocket Man cover here. <laughs> I'm not the man they think I am. Oh, no, no, no. I'm a rock. It's man. Rocket man. Camino ain't the kind of place to raise your kid. In fact, it's wet as hell. No one's there to train him if you did. And all this cloning. I don't understand. It's just a job five days a week. I think it's going to be a long, long time. I'm so thankful that got made. That's <laughs> <laughs> one of the great treasures of the internet. Uh, it's fantastic. You think they bag, you know, they like bag and tag the body, or they just leave it on the, the runway like Padme did Ooh, with the decoy? Yeah, that's an interesting question there. Um, mm. I want the scene where someone has to come in with a Ziploc bag. 
and another droid is like using tweezers to pick up the hand. It's like <laughs> it's like going like the uh, the thing from the thing, <laughs> and they got to drop it with those little evidence bags. Uh, yeah, what do you what do you think uh, Jedi CSI is like? <laughs> <laughs> I think they only look at the symbols. <laughs> Sorry, I'm jumping ahead to that Waffle House scene. You know, cut to broad daylight, and they're, they're addressing the council. Oh, yeah, they, they they go home and gotta get their story straight about, like, yeah. like look, <laughs> she had the gun, and then I pulled out the lightsaber. Yeah, they've gotta, they've gotta go back to, uh, to lock up and pull out, you know, one of those uh, <laughs> blasters with the serial numbers filed off just to drop it next to the corpse. <laughs> that kind of thing. Right. <laughs> I did like how when she approached Obi-Wan, she, like, had the, like, blaster out in, like, first-person shooter configuration for a good, like, <laughs> ten yards yeah. before she got there. Yeah. <laughs> in full sight of everyone. It was like yeah. Buffalo Bill with the night vision goggles, like, reaching out. Too bad R2-D2 wasn't there. There's our uh, customary mentioning of Buffalo Bill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're back in the council room with like some of our favorites right oh yes the uh oh, i forgot his name the uh jedi master Fishbody. yes uh, what's his real name i can't even remember opo rancisis or something like that yeah something i'm never gonna remember <laughs> jedi master Fishbody, i think does the yes. trick for us <laughs> yes exactly and uh we get low rent yoda that guy who's like kind of like a human trying to look like Yoda. That's right. Yeah, he's in the wide shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, old Plukoon there. You got a. I think that Shakti. Uh, the other ones I can't remember their names. A little sad to not see Yaddle, the she Yoda. Yeah, you don't wonder what happened. Like this, this is a pretty full council session here. So, you know, either she get voted off the island, or you know. <laughs> So, something happened. The relationship turned sour. You know, she's on the outs now. She's on permanent reassignment to uh, somewhere beyond the outer rim. <laughs> she was a loose cannon, Chris. He <laughs> <laughs> was scraping ice off, you know, off tractors in in Alaska or something like that. <laughs> or she's in whatever the Jedi version of like the Eastern Front is in World War Two. <laughs> Maybe she shot a kid like Officer Winslow in Die Hard. Just. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't stand to carry a gun after that. And only two weeks away from retirement. <laughs> so this is where the Jedi Council pulls a Fred from Scooby-Doo and instructs the gang to split up. I'm not sure how much time has passed, but, you know, Padme hasn't even had time to unpack her bags, essentially. And, no, best place for you is uh, not in this giant city full of people where you could probably easily hide. No, no, no. Back in the planet where you're going to be most recognized. Right, yeah. So, Obi-Wan's going to have to track down the bounty hunter. And Anakin is going to take Padme home, like you've said. And they're instructed to disguise as refugees. Which, I don't know what refugees look like where, where you're from, but man. <laughs> like, who doesn't have designer clothing and, like, a droid? <laughs> right. Don't all refugees have those? Yeah, Padme is still dressed very Queen Amidala-esque. Yeah. And, I mean, I like Anakin's attempt to put on, like, a Clint Eastwood poncho. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel like this is your chance to cut off the rat tail. Yeah, you gotta go deep undercover. 
So by that logic, he must he must enjoy it. It's got to be it, mm. and he can ask to enjoy the rat tail. Yeah, you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> Hates sand, loves rat's tail. <laughs> this is the analysis you come to. We serve droids for. You Padme, right? She's not going to want to leave, and it's mentioned that she's the leader of the opposition. Which you kind of mentioned earlier, yeah. But it's but they didn't they didn't call it the I don't know maybe maybe this is like a like a branding war between you know the loyalist party the whoever the other people are that they're just they're labeled them labeling them as the opposition, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah, I was trying to figure out if the opposition was like an opposition party. Is she like the Jeremy Ooh. Corbyn of the Galactic Senate? Yeah, I hadn't thought about political parties in Star Wars. Oh, that's interesting. Or is it just opposition to some particular policy? I I just assumed it was opposition to the uh, I guess the army referendum or whatever they're trying to pass here. But I, I like the uh, I like the party idea better. Yeah, I think the other one is more likely. But the party's kind of fun. Like there's a whole British style shadow cabinet. Yes. That like the whole that. loyalists have, like, st- you know, with their, their plans ready to go if they can retake Parliament. Oh, man. I, I really want to see, um, like, Chancellor Palpatine question time or something something like that. <laughs> <laughs> like, the senator just standing up to make, uh, like, like snide, last snide questions to him, and he's just, like, force choking him under the table or, or things like that. And then this is the Padme's decision to leave Jar Jar. Is he standing in for her in the Senate, or so with with Georgia entering politics? I'm beginning to see or understand Obi Wan's view <laughs> about politicians. <laughs> I'm not really sure what this whole Jar Jar delegation actually is. Yeah, that's what I assumed. I was I wasn't sure if maybe did the Gungans get their own senator now since they're kind of uh, recognized on Naboo, or 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 is he there kind of to kind of like to observe or? Something like that. I don't know. He's like the non-voting member of Congress from Washington D.C. <laughs> oh, uh, is it is it is it the representative from D.C. who can't who can't vote? Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, here's your here's your seat at the back. Right, but no, I think uh, your point makes a lot more sense that maybe because I was trying to figure out like, well, does Naboo get two representatives? But yeah, maybe there's a Nubian and Gungan have their own separate representation. But Jar Jar is sort of like tries to stay politically aligned. You know, he's like the junior senator, like mm. tries to sort of like always kind of caucus with the the senior one. Yeah. I'm wondering if they give it, if it's per species or per planet. I mean, cause we, like the other scenes that we see, of, you know, Pete, the, uh, the senators and their floating Frisbees are, uh, it's usually like one species, but I'm not, I mean, aside from what indoor and, I'm just trying to think of like species or planets that have you know more than one kind of you know semi sentient species on them in Star Wars. I guess maybe it's like uh, I don't know if like X percent of your plant if it's like over thirty percent as a certain species that species gets the representation or something. I don't know because I mean like there's a bunch of humans. Yeah, because they're kind of all over the place, but then also a bunch of aliens. Be they dugs or ets but yeah i mean this turns out to be the the fatal flaw that padme makes i guess we'll we'll talk about that 
next month when we do the second half of the movie. <laughs> but boy, does putting any faith in Jar Jar seem just an obviously bad idea. <laughs> just like, I'll be back in a week. Just put yes to this one thing. <laughs> For the love of God, don't do anything stupid. Yeah. All we care about is not create an army. So make sure you don't accidentally create an army. Yeah. It's your number one goal. Sitcom like hijinks ensue, and here we are. <laughs> it is very like Lucy and Ethel like go out of the house, and like Ricky and Fred have to like do the laundry or something, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what you just said reminded me it's like, it's like, just Jar Jar, whatever you do, don't create an army. And then it's like the always sunny intro, and it's Jar Jar creates an army. <laughs> Yes, that's perfect. So they're they're packing up their strangely earth-like suitcases. Yeah, that's uh some some prop laziness there, I'd wager. I guess we get some more like Anakin creepiness. We get like a please don't look at me like that from Padme. Oh, I had I had this written down. I was like, man, if I had a nickel for every time Anakin's heard that <laughs> at this by this point. I'm I'm betting that's a phrase he hears a lot. If you have to say that to your police escort, I think you deserve a different police escort. Yeah. Need a, uh, oh, what's the thing called? Like the, the safe space where you can, like, you know, if you're out in public and need to, like, escape someone. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, like some, like some bars have it, like a secret thing you can, and they'll, they'll let you out the back or something like that. Yeah. So Anakin and Padme leave the planet. Oh, it's about time for my favorite scene in the movie. <laughs> and everyone heads to Waffle House. <laughs> I like to think that he comes here after a long night of uh, of drinking at the bar, you know, <laughs> trying to get some, you know, some some greasy food on there. Like, I'm sure, I'm sure, uh, is it? I'm sure Dex has like some sort of like homebrew hangover cure, you know. <laughs> I'll, uh, oh, like wake up juice from Back to the Future Three, or you know, something like that. A little bit of hair of the Wookiee in them. Exactly. <laughs> you know, that's a great point about what this place is. When I was at Auburn, there was this one bar, and after all the other bars close, the only place left open was called Fat Daddy's. And that was like, you just went there to like get into a fight. Like, <laughs> no night ended well if you ended up at Fat Daddy's. <laughs> and it shared a building with a gas station that served breakfast. Oh, that's that's just good business right there. <laughs> right. This whole thing is like rural East Alabama at its finest. And uh, the breakfast was really good at this gas station. <laughs> and But, but like, you kind of wonder, like, well, was it really that good? Or yeah. did only drunk people have it? Yes, exactly. And that's Dexter's Diner. You're absolutely right. <laughs> it is the gas station next to Fat Daddy's. <laughs> he is a fat daddy <laughs> yeah <laughs> well while we're uh parked at the swaffle house chris i guess now's as good a time as ever to tell you what i'm drinking tonight oh yeah i have mine here as well it's uh i've been sipping on it slowly but I'm, i've been really enjoying it so far a medium dry martini lemon peel shaken not stirred Shaken, not stirred. Shaken, not stirred. Shaken, not stirred. Shaken, not stirred. Three measures of Gordon's, one of vodka, half a measure of Kina Lily. Shake it over rice and then add a thin slice of lemon peel. Yes, sir. 
Yeah, so Obi-Wan comes in and is infamously offered a Jawa juice in a way that you can only offer like a regular. Yeah. I did look up the Jawa juice on the Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. And it is an alcoholic beverage, Chris. Oh, really? It Yeah, it mentions having fermented grains. Okay. All right. So, uh, all right. Obi-Wan's doing a little day drinking here. And it's it's often enough that he that he's offered it. <laughs> <laughs> right. So uh, I wanted to go with a more you know take the the juice part of this uh, drink seriously, and so uh, you know kind of started with the idea of doing something with uh, a mojito and kind of went off the rails from there. And so what I have is some watermelon, strawberries, mint leaves, rum, lemon, and sugar. And so what we've done is taken about a half a cup of watermelon chunks. And you really want to like pack it into your measuring, you know, spoon to see if you have, you know, you can use like the, the muddler if you want to, to kind of pack the watermelon in there. And then a couple of strawberries with the caps removed and you want to blend those into a sort of, you know, uh, not perfectly liquid mixture. And then you want to take a couple of teaspoons of sugar and you want to take the lemon, and I said a quarter of a lemon. You could do a little bit more. Uh, cut into slices, and you want to muddle the lemon over the sugar, leave the rinds in the glass. Then I took about about 15 pieces of mint, but I mean, who's I didn't count or anything. Kind of slapped them and threw them in there. And then I added an ounce and a half of rum. I added a whole bunch of ice. And then I poured in enough of the watermelon strawberry mixture to leave a little bit of room for some kind of vigorous stirring because it takes a little bit to get all this stirred up. And then, you know, garnish it with like a sprig of mint on top. That's always something you want to do with a mojito or something minty because the smell of mint is is really what matters more than the taste. Mm -hmm. I didn't have a straw, but I think ideally you would drink this with a straw so as not to get the mint leaves all over. But uh, so that's that's your Jawa juice right there. Yeah, I'm doing it doing it sand straw here as well, and it's not too bad. Yeah, I'm really enjoying this. It's great for the uh, hotter weather here. You, you you looked it up. I always wondered if like Jawa juice was puree Jawa, <coughs> just literally Jawa juice. Closer than you'd think, Chris, because while it does not have Jawa, it said it had bantha fur or oh, bantha hide or something like that right. in it. Which sounds even grosser. Some Tatooine, some some literal hair of the Bantha. <laughs> I I'm, I don't know. I think this Jawa Juice name is a little fan servicey, cringy. Yeah, I mean, in the yeah, I mean the fact that it's you know from the movie. I mean, not, you know, here on our you know goofy podcast, it's very fun. <laughs> oh yeah, I don't mean our our Jawa Juice is great. Yeah. I mean, using the name in the movie. Oh yeah, it's. I mean, it, it's fairly throwaway. You know, they don't. All right, here's your Jawa juice. Yeah, wink, wink. I just think that if in canon Tatooine is supposed to be a very remote planet and not even really a part of the Republic. Yeah, yeah. That they have a recognizable beverage. But maybe Obi-Wan, like, got one when he was, like, hanging out by himself on Tatooine during the pod race. And, like, has told, like, maybe this is the only place in town he knows how to get one. I, I mean, I don't know. 
Yeah, I, I get a fun theory I can build on that. I mean, you know, as, as apparently knowledgeable as uh, Dex is, I could see him being the type of guy to run an establishment that serves some some odd fare, that kind of thing. Oh, yeah, right. He knows all that, like, outer rim tech and drink. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Yeah, like, you're in Chicago, and you're like, well, I'm a long way from New Orleans. I don't know where I can get, like, a Sazerac. Mm-hmm. But there's like one guy from Louisiana that you kind of trust, exactly. Yeah, kind of thing. And he has been to that planet, uh, Obi Wan. I mean, so yeah, I, I think you've talked me into it. Some quick headcanon there. Yeah, something I never noticed about uh, the character before. He's got a he's got a nice dad stash. I, I never I never noticed that. It kind of just blended in with his face, I guess, in my previous watchings. Yeah. He's more stash than Chewbacca on the is that or is it not a mustache? Yes, spectrum. Yeah, it. I mean, it really, it really must have just blended in with the, uh, you know, the coloring on his face. I guess when I've seen it on, on DVD, well, I guess probably the CRT television or whatever. I probably originally watched this on at home, but yeah, it's kind of something I I really noticed where it popped out in here and watching it on uh, kind of a higher definition. I don't know, man. I like this Detective Obi-Wan subplot. It's, yeah. It's pretty fun. But I guess we are cutting to the part of that subplot that I find the least fun. <laughs> and it's the whole missing planet in the archives bit. Yeah. It's very um like one of those kid detectives I know where we can solve this mystery. The library. That kind of thing. Jedi Master Encyclopedia Brown is uh, on the case of the you know the missing uh, planet yeah. yeah i was trying to make that alliterative literative and I, I couldn't off the top of my head let's see uh I, i'm going to give up yeah i'm giving up much like george lucas said when he was writing this scene because <laughs> i love how everyone is like the computer doesn't show the planet but gravity is still pulling everything there and it's like well doesn't that kind of salt like do you de- like is he like how is obi-wan like a flat earther like how is the gravity not case closed the planet's still there yeah it's and the librarian was very you know matter of fact about it i do like the librarian that's the saving grace of this scene oh it's, if it doesn't if an item does not appear in our records it does not exist and i think boy i just wrote only sith deal in absolutes <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I'm I so strongly dislike that scene with the kids. I'm very happy just to skip over it unless you have I'm good to just uh <laughs> let's delete that scene from our archives and move on. Yeah, the, the less really I I have of, you know, <laughs> less really padawans I see the better, especially, <laughs> especially if we ever watch episode 3. <laughs> I guess speaking of scenes that maybe we don't love now starts <laughs> The Anakin and Padme on Naboo subplot. I think it's at Naboo and not on the transport. And we're just kind of overhearing the conversation between Anakin and Padme. She says something like, While I wasn't the youngest queen ever elected, I'm not sure I was old enough to be queen. And it's like, no shit, you were 14 years old. Yeah, I'm wondering who who the youngest queen was. If that's the case, <laughs> right? Like, does does Naboo only elect like children to be their rulers? I mean, what's 
and then I mean, kind of, I think we see the uh, the, the next youngish looking queen shortly thereafter. Yeah, I do not like this. Um, I mean, I'm not trying to say like I don't want to be ageist, but I just also don't think teenagers should be king or queen. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'm also going to take the brave 21st century stance of not loving monarchy in general. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's fine for, like, a figurehead monarch, but if you're actually, like, implementing policy, there's, there's some problems here. Right. I guess now we get our introduction to um, our first new planet of this movie. Uh, yeah. To Camino. And it was a it was a dark and stormy night, as every like fifth grader's short story starts. I like I like to think that it's always like this weather on Camino, and they're this type of jerks to not build covered landing platforms on a planet where it constantly rains. (laughs) (laughs) If you're dealing with like your typical Star Wars one weather pattern planets, I think El Camino is a pretty cool place, like cool looking. (laughs) Yeah, I like El Cam- I like the name El Camino. I like that. I like the Cam- the Caminoans. Caminoans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's right. Nubians. Camini Camino Caminoans. Kimonese. The Kimononites. The uh... <laughs> Kaminaman. The Cumin. Yeah, <laughs> that's a nice spice. Um, I think they look really cool, and I love like their eyes. Looking sort of like little galaxies. I like that a lot. Because they're entirely CGI and they're they're very um you know, there's no hope of an actual actor actually ever playing one of these. So they're you know, they had the freedom to expand outside, you know, the you know, proportions that would have to accommodate to a human, that kind of thing. Or a you know, a human person playing it. And you can see they've made a lot of leaps mm-hmm. from like the Gungans to the Kaminoans and Geonosians in this movie. Yeah, because like, even the Gungans, like, from the neck down, were effectively human proportions, I think. Mm-hmm. These are, yeah, like, there's no way you're going to stick Anthony Daniels in that in that suit. So what would you call their interior design? Like, <laughs> minimalist uh, airport or... <laughs> lens flare? <laughs> yeah. Mo- mo- modern lens flares, like, Scandinavian lens flare, <laughs> Ikea lobby. <laughs> 60s Bond villain kind of chairs. Uh, yeah, those spoon chairs that come down from the ceiling they sit in. Yeah. We've been ex- <laughs> we've been expecting you, Mr. Kenobi. <laughs> <laughs> expecting you to die. <laughs> I like how Ewan McGregor gives the chair like a weird look. That's some fun acting. I don't know if he knew... Yeah. If he was given direction of like, hey, this spoon's gonna drop down from the ceiling. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. Like, I'm sure in the actual set, it's just it's just like a green screen. There's like a green box, and he, there's like two tennis balls where he's staring at where the Canadian <laughs> ones are, and he's like, all right, you know, sit in the box and look kind of funny about it. <laughs> yeah, Ewan is doing some work in this movie, especially in these scenes. Yeah, I mean, you have to think like, there's probably not even not even anyone. Like, uh, I mean, it's probably someone maybe speaking the lines back to him. Yeah, that's it. It's fun acting, too. He's doing the fun, like, acting like he knows what's going on when he doesn't. Yeah, that's why I'm here. I think it's easy to to ham that up too much. Mm. Or it's easy to play it straight and then it not be funny. 
Yes. And I think he really threads that needle. And those uh, Kaminoman needles are very skinny. <laughs> we can make a decision here. And instead of jumping back <laughs> to, and forth. To, to never cut back to Naboo again. All right. <laughs> very well. <laughs> That's probably the right decision. Let's just play through the Kamino scenes. Okay. Up to, uh, I want to say, the fight. And then go back and play through the Naboo scenes instead of jumping back and forth. All right. Yeah, we can just rip that Naboo band-aid off. And- <laughs> I like how Obi-Wan is getting a tour of, like, the Kamino version of that. Here are the real miracle workers of Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> I want the uh, uh, the guy who did, like, the DNA voice. <laughs> oh, yeah, Mr. DNA to be up there. Using sophisticated techniques, we extract the Django DNA. (laughs) I would love Mr. DNA to give this tour. Where did you get uh, the DNA sample from? From your blood. (laughs) Oh, I I want the... uh yeah, Django to uh, play the uh, like the Hammond role. So there's like you know the the on screen the on screen Django and the actual Django, and they hello Django, hello Django. It's <laughs> <laughs> kind of a ride. Yeah, he, he's he's just very not into it. Like this was like a, like a contractual obligation. <laughs> he's going to do like the uh, like the the ten, twelve, and two o'clock show every day, and he's just really not happy about it. <laughs> I also like the, um, are those like fetuses in those like pickle jars spinning yeah. around? Yeah. It's just like a, like a big, like test Ferris tube. Wheel. Yeah. Like, a oh, like kind of maybe like lab, like centrifuge-ish kind of thing. I don't know. It's, it, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's, that's kind of what it reminded me of, but yeah, like a, and you know, they're like, they're training all the clones like beneath them, like beneath like the, the towers of, you know, their identical brethren. <laughs> Yeah, you got to figure every once in a while, I mean, with all that movement, one of those pickle jars is going to, like, fall and, like, <laughs> it's going to be yeah. gross. <sighs> I don't know why those pickle jars are moving around. You just got to put those in, like, the Futurama Hall of Presidents shelf. Yeah, exactly. It's, here's a question. Do you think these are just fake ones they'd put for the tour? <laughs> like, like, that kind of thing? Like, this this is just for the investors, you know? Like, none of this actually works. They've got, like, a, uh, oh... Oh, what was that company that like faked all the uh, the blood work, like like a Theranos kind of going on, like that kind of thing? <laughs> That's exactly what it is. <laughs> Don't ask about the secret ingredient. <laughs> There's just like the one real door at the end of the hall. It just says "Do not open." <laughs> <All right. laughs> the real factory is a lot dirtier. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of like the like. You know, the versions of, like, Django with, like, two heads sticking out. <laughs> and one of them saying, like, kill me. <laughs> this is uh, also where we learned that uh, Django demanded an unaltered clone as part of his payment. Yeah. Why, why stop there? But, all right. <laughs> we were going to give him more money, but he wanted this instead. Yeah. <laughs> what an idiot. <laughs> It's like I'd, I'd have settled for uh, you know a battalion or two. That'd be that'd be <laughs> gonna get some good bounty hunting done with that. I like that. I think it adds an air of mystery to him and depth. It's a way of manufacturing depth mm-hmm. for a character who doesn't have any. 
just give us some kind of cool, mysterious fact about his past that's unexplained. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's a that's a really nice way to do that in a movie. Boba's only purpose is if he needs a kidney later in life, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, Ugh. I think there's was, there was, wasn't there a movie about that where there's like a big big factory full of clones that were just there for if rich people needed a transplant or something like that. Yeah. Um, it didn't have you and McGregor, did it? Oh my God. It may have. I'm sorry. I have to look this up real quick. Yeah. This is what we need to know. The, the Island? Island. Oh, wow. Yes. You and McGregor was in it. I couldn't, I couldn't tell you anything else about the movie. I, I would, I probably haven't seen it since, 2005 or 2006 i remember seeing it but i have no memories i'm kind of with you on that yeah i think the only explanation is that you and i are both clones (laughs) to create (laughs) you know organs for our rich let's be honest i'm not a clone of anyone smart enough to to be successful (laughs) (laughs) we can rule that theory out uh maybe in the uh, in the real world this podcast is wildly successful and that's that's how we got our money <laughs> <laughs> and we get that uh kind of funky like i think also still meant to be a very film noir dialogue scene between obi-wan and and jango like I, I wonder if he's like uh he knows about jedi he's trying to play this like you know uh like a lie detector test like he's He's giving very, you know, like straight answers that are like very loose on details and probably technically true. Jerry, just remember, it's not a lie if you believe it. I forgot to mention this earlier. Like the uh, yeah, Kaminoans are, uh, you know, very patient. Apparently, they've been expecting, you know, someone to come by for the last, you know, ten years or so to check up on these clones. Yeah, that Slavo Diaz must have put in a big down payment. I know, right? We're not going to go too deep into the whole Slavo Diaz thing here. I think we're going to save that for another day. So don't feel like we're just ignoring that big gaping thing in the plot up ahead. Yeah, you'll you'll have our dumb opinions on that in due time. (laughs) And we can move over to the the Naboo scenes to round out tonight's podcast. God help us. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we've saved yeah. it saved it for the end yeah you're welcome <laughs> had to get some java juice in the tank before we did this oh boy boy i love you i i love you i i i So I think where we left off, Anakin and Padme have ridden a little novelty boat to <laughs> Padme's seaside estate. Yeah. Where we get the infamous sand line. Yeah. Uh, what can more can we say about this line that we haven't already <laughs> in one form or another? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not trying to like say this is excusing for the movie, but I feel like the universe is a better place for it existing. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, we've all gotten to make fun of it for like 17 years now. Yeah, we've gotten a lot of mileage out of this. I mean, and like no level of acting could have saved this dialogue <laughs> either. No. 
you know, I planted this flag a couple t- about a couple char- a couple actors in episode one. I'm not convinced that Christensen is so bad in this movie. I mean, given what he had to work with, yeah, it's it's uh it's definitely not his fault. Yeah, I mean, you know what they say about chicken salad and chicken shit, and <laughs> you just can't do it. But yeah, we get this weird scene, and and some Anakin has uh, gone from you know just creepy staring to outright touching. Yeah, Ugh. yeah, it's 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 not the freestyle or the butterfly, Chris. He's he's going with the backstroke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did not enjoy uh rewatching this bits, these this these these whole scenes really. Yeah. And so I guess we'll get through there's like I guess mostly three or four of them, right? There's this one, and then the next one is the Armageddon animal cracker scene. <laughs> right, they're talking about I guess they're talking about like their first kisses and Padme is telling Anakin about Paolo. Yeah, I think it's like first kisses or first boyfriends, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And she mentions that they were in the legislative youth program. And it made me wonder, like, is their legislative youth program just their formal government? Yeah, like, if you're electing, you know, queens at 12 or 13, like, what's, like, is, when does this youth program start? You know, Chris, how in space, the movie Space Camp the kids get accidentally launched into outer space. <laughs> I think that happened here, and they just went with it. Yeah, I think that's what happened with the booze government, and it just it just became tradition. Yeah, due to some bureaucratic mistake, like it accidentally made the kids in the legislative youth program the real government, and like never stuck with it. <laughs> was it was it like a like a King Ralph scenario where like the uh, like everyone. Everyone died, so you know, like the the Secretary of Agriculture or whatever is now the uh, now the president. And they had to get that far down the line to the uh, the junior or junior government group or whatever it was. I like to think it was one of those like uh, mayor for a day programs that kids do. <laughs> yeah, and like due to like a clerical error, it made them all like permanently that position. <laughs> <laughs> but then, like, they were the only ones that could amend the Constitution. Yeah. But at their point, they're like that kid in blank check. Oh, you know, yeah. like, mm. they can print their own money. They're not giving that away. Yeah, exactly. Right. So Anakin gives this, like, little critique of politics. And it, it sounds <laughs> like every idiot's complaint about Congress. Yeah. I just wish they would sit down and figure it out. But I think that's the character. Like, he's supposed to be naive. I don't... Yeah. I just think it's funny that... People do sound that dumb when they talk about politics in real life. Yeah, people much older than Anakin. (laughs) But it turns out he's also been, like, reading some Hobbes. Because he is, like, all about, uh, you know, totalitarian Leviathan government. (laughs) We made to agree. (laughs) And then, uh... You're going to love this transition, Chris. Speaking of Leviathans, he then rides a giant creature... (laughs) I like to think that's the um, the Naboo version of cow tipping, something like that. Oh, yeah. Those things would go down like, they'd be like weebles that wobble once yeah. you like got it on its butt. <laughs> those legs don't really seem like they can uh, support that weight. <laughs> they seem very um, fleshy. 
Mm-hmm. Like that sick Triceratops yeah, in Jurassic Park? Yes, exactly. I think uh, Vice Admiral Holdo needs to check out these guys' poop. <laughs> so then the next one is this, like, dinner scene with, like, floating pears. Yeah. That one's at least short. Yeah. Just, just long enough to get some, you know, like, almost non-sequitur complaining about Obi-Wan in there. <sighs> yeah. And then we get the... Um, Scene in the fire where she's wearing that costume from Leatherman's. Yeah. I just, uh. How do you rank these scenes, Chris? We got, just to recap, we got sand on the veranda, Armageddon animal cracker scene, floating pear, and, you know, leather dress by the fire. Uh, I'll throw a pear at the bottom just for... Well, maybe not the bottom. It was mercifully... Are you going best to worst or worst to best? Is is there any difference, really, <laughs> when it comes to these? Uh, I'll, I'll Actually, I'll put pair as, as best because it was mercifully short and probably was the least creepy of them, I'd imagine, just for la- lack of him being able to do anything, get anything going there. I'll, I'll put sand in as number two, if only for the uh, the joy it's brought us over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the the creepy touching kind of knocks it down from from number one easily. I'll go animal crackers for three and uh, dress with, you know, that doesn't allow breathing for four. <laughs> yeah, I think my ranking is very close. It's practically the same. I, I would have probably sand as my least bad, then pear, then field, then the fire scene. There's like a whole monologue that Hayden Christensen is stuck with in that scene that is, I think, maybe the worst part of the whole movie. Yeah. I mean, I I, I get what they were trying to do, I guess, on some level, but it falls so short of the mark that it's, I'm wondering if it's, if that's even the case or if I'm just, you know, trying to justify it in my head. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's an obvious mistake to introduce the idea of a secret wedding midway through the movie that they, you know, they end up doing this at the end, right? Uh, yeah. With a, you know, robot hand and all. Give me your robot hand and holy matrimony. (laughs) (laughs) For for rich or for poor, for normal (laughs) hand, for robot hand. (laughs) Oh man. Robot hands progress an awful lot between episodes two and five (laughs) i don't think it's a bad idea to introduce that idea but i mean that doesn't justify the whole scene but that does happen in that fireplace scene yeah it's i guess generally speaking it's usually what a movie's lacking where i feel like it falls short like in just thinking about just movies in general Mm -hmm. and here it's just it's too much Mm mm-hmm so, uh, I guess the kind of end of the Naboo scenes is Anakin's been having, like, bad dreams, and Padme walks up while he's, like, meditating while standing. Which, I mean, I'm not sure, was he was he just standing outside her room? <laughs> like, on the, <laughs> like, on the terrace? Like, is there, is there, is there no, like, is there no extra, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to bet there's no way onto that terrace except through her room. And, and <laughs> he's he, already there. Yeah, he, he's, he's just there. Like, she wakes up, the door's open to the outside, and he's out <laughs> right. there. 
he's smelled her underwear. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, she she uh, you know, when she goes to get dressed, like everything's just a little askew in the uh, in the drawers there. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. It's like she's she's not she's not quite sure. Like she just unpacked, she just got here, but like I'm pretty sure I don't remember leaving this right here. <laughs> yeah, I don't like, fold my bras exactly this way. Yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> I like how he's like stands and he meditates, and it seems like the other Jedi's all sit. Mm-hmm. Which made me wonder if he's like that guy at the office with the standing desk. Oh yeah, yeah, he's got. <laughs> <laughs> he used to meditate on the uh, on the exercise ball, and that just yes. that stopped cutting it one day. So yes, it wouldn't be an episode of We Serve Droids if we didn't pick out the most conspicuous character or something close to one in uh and what we've watched this of course is named after our our favorite character from the force awakens chris do you have a worthy recipient for the fur jacket i live for furs i worship furs gold jacket green jacket who gives it oh please won't you see my Uh, yeah, um, I'm not sure how, I don't know, surprising it is. We've talked about it before, but for this movie, just for the, the way it did and, or way she did and still does just immediately, uh, take me out of it. Um, uh, I'm gonna have to give it to a whole Flobot from the diner. <laughs> yep. Yep. So for people who don't know her name tag spells out flow in like the Star Wars alphabet. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, yeah. Do you notice the human waitress? Yeah, and she, like, the human waitress seems to be very, like, I have I went back and kind of watched her in the background. She seems a little bit, uh, a little slow on the uptake sometimes. Like, I think Flo's, Flo's really, you know, you know, doing the lion's share of the work here. And I'm, I'm wondering if, if Flo, you know, is, is the old waitress or if she's like the new, like the, the more recent hire. I was thinking that the human lady is like some ex-wife yeah, of Dexter's who like is either a part owner or, or can't really be fired. Mm-hmm. That's a good call. I like that. You know, she's not mixing the Java juices. No, she, uh, she doesn't really do a whole ton. She, she's making, she's making some, some, like some stuff in the background behind the bar there, but mm-hmm. yeah. she's, Counting the minutes to our next smoke break. Exactly. She she probably takes like a you know an unfair like a level of tips too from the uh, the oh, tip pool. Yeah, so yeah. I'm, so I'm, I'm sure I'm sure this is the kind of place that pools tips or something like that, and she's just mm-hmm. she's just phoning yeah. it in. You know, Flowbot is actually working the customers, getting them, and she's like the person that will like just pull a few bucks out to go buy like a soda. Exactly. Mm, those are the worst people. <laughs> Special lady waiting on me at the Waffle House. She's amazing. So yeah, I like it going to the uh, the Waffle House lady bot. Um, I went maybe even more obvious, you know, back into the club, mm. and I guess. It's the death stick guy. You want to buy some death sticks? Yep. Solid choice. Solid choice. 
Well, I don't really have much to say about the death stick pusher. Like, he speaks for himself. But I did want to point out that in the background of that scene, I mean, I didn't really want to give it to her, but it was tempting given, you know, the original fur, fur coat uh, guy is right after Obi-Wan says he's going for a drink, the camera pans past like a, a Rodian, which is like Greedo's species. And she's wearing like a big white fur coat. All right, I'm about to that scene now. Oh wow, very glamorous. Yeah, she's next to like another one, and mm-hmm. yeah, man, that's a good catch. I like that. Yeah, and like her friend has like a tracksuit or something. Yeah, <laughs> I like that pair. Uh, I yeah, like that. that's great. Right, so I'm sticking with the death stick pusher, but I did like. You know, she doesn't need need the award. She has a fur no. coat of her own. Yeah, it's a good honorable mention there. I like that. My my other potential was the uh, the pancake robot, but mm, yeah, I got got to give it up to my gal flow. Well, it's been a uh, another fun evening as always, Chris. Absolutely. No no better evening than talking uh, romance scenes from episode two. <laughs> <laughs> it may be coarse and it may be rough, but I think we, we kept it from getting everywhere. <laughs> so I think our listeners can always appreciate our, our containment fields. <laughs> and now's the time, of course, where I would like to invite our list. I'd like to thank our listeners and also thank Computer Music All-Stars, who provides a lot of the music we use. And I want to invite our listeners uh, first to recommend this podcast to a friend that you think would enjoy it. That's really the best thing you could do. Uh, The second best thing you could do is leave a a rating and a review on either Apple Podcasts or whatever kind of listening device you use if it allows you to leave, leave reviews. You can reach us through a number of ways. One is you can follow us on Twitter at We Serve Droids. You can email us at weservedroids at gmail.com. And you can also, uh, you know, connect on a Facebook group. And we also have a sort of trying out a voicemail you can call into. Yeah, so if uh, email is not an acceptable medium to convey your hate for the show, you can leave us an angry voicemail now <laughs> at uh, 512-WE-SERVE. That's 512-937-3783. Yeah, so, uh, right. I mean, we could potentially play something on the show that, that a listener leaves, and so that, that might be a lot of fun. Oh, and for, for our international audience, that's the uh, plus one country code for United States. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Next month, we should have a really fun show. We will, of course, finish up episode two, Attack of the Clones, but we'll also have a couple guests on at the start. So we are, um, you know, supposed to have the hosts of another podcast, uh, Force Toast, on with us to chat at the beginning. So that should be a lot of fun. So look forward to that. Anything I left out, Chris? Uh, no, I think that's it. Yeah, really looking forward to uh, speaking with uh, the Force Toast folks. Well, I'll talk to you in a month. Sounds good, Scott. Talk to you then. Like there's like there's like a there's like a pancake robot. <laughs> <laughs>
like 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 serving food you know it's like he says no droids you know some nice you know droid on droid you know racism there i guess on the uh the refugee ship like what's like what's a droid gonna do with food (laughs) (laughs) i bet that droid won't buy droid dolls for its droid child (laughs) (laughs) just uh, a self-hating droid I mean, it doesn't matter. I'm going to edit all this out. That should be the podcast motto. (laughs) (laughs) You guys look like... What do they look like, Jimmy? Dorks. (laughs) They look like a couple of dorks. (laughs)